This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Now, I hope you've enjoyed the recent episodes I've put out there and you can, of course, check them out, threelionspodcast.com. And in fact, I've been working on one for this week, one where I went up to Wembley to check out a new edition that they have up there. And that's still to come. But before that, I thought we ought to address... The European Super League. (laughs) Yes, the European Super League came about in the news initially the afternoon of Sunday the 18th of April. Initially, I thought it was just another slow news day, but as the afternoon crossed into the evening, it was clear this had more momentum than any previous time it had been mentioned. Rumours of a big six splitting and going their own way were confirmed overnight. Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City and Manchester United would be joining Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Juventus, AC Milan and Internazionale from Italy. Now, I think it's fair to say football fans across the continent have been up in arms with universal agreement that it's not a good idea, to put it mildly. I don't think I've ever seen such distaste from a football fans all agreeing on one subject matter. The greed that's been shown, the excess of money quoted, disgusting, especially after us, not just us as a nation, but the whole world subjected to a coronavirus pandemic. People losing their jobs, their family members, these clubs showing absolutely zero respect to those paying supporters who have paid week in, week out for a number of years up until those games were played behind closed doors. And it's no secret that I'm an Arsenal supporter and I feel sick to the stomach that the club where I first set foot in back in 1989 has joined this breakaway project. Frankly, at the moment, to be mentioned as a major force as England or European football is a touch embarrassing. And we've all heard what Gary Neville has said and I'm in full agreement with him. But this is an England podcast and the idea of this episode It's to kind of work out what it means to our national team going forward, because everyone's going to be speaking about the Premier League and what it how it affects them. But I'd like to welcome from EnglandFootball.org Dom Smith to find out what it means to England. Dom, how are we doing? All right. I'm I'm well. Yes, all things considered. Yes, yourself. Yeah, again, well, but not particularly pleased by all this. Go on. What What are your immediate thoughts? Not just not just regarding England, but just the whole subject matter of the European Super League. I know I've, I've read your report on it, but go on, tell us. Well, I think we it was no no secret, really, that money exists in football and that, that money uh, is an important factor in football. But I don't think any of us quite realise that it's this important. Um, I think this is all to do with money. Clearly, these these spineless owners of football clubs and hierarchies have decided that actually profitability is the most important factor and by quite a long way. Uh, and so what they're willing to do is wave goodbye to hundreds and hundreds of years of history of these football clubs 
and move on into into some kind of yeah plastic league with no promotion and relegation i mean it's an it's an entirely arrogant thought really it is all to do with money i think it was born from the idea that actually UEFA and FIFA, particularly UEFA, but also FIFA, don't necessarily do things in ways which which these big, powerful football clubs with, with, who are steeped in history always agree with. I also think they're slight, they were slightly frustrated that maybe the Champions League, the Europa League, and their their individual um, domestic leagues weren't quite growing uh, at the profitable pace that they would have wanted. There are there are suggestions that maybe the next rights packages for TV broadcasting in the Premier League, in Liga, in Syria, etc., are going to be less profitable than previous ones, which doesn't suggest growth. It suggests the opposite. I mean, that's just me putting out the perspective of these of these clubs. But that doesn't mean that you then go and create a 12-team or, as it's proposed to be, a 15-team Super League with no relegation and no promotion, which is almost a safe space for previously successful clubs to remain successful, but not to you know, not to allow anyone else in or, or for those indeed to drop out. Um, I think it's been proposed as a midweek thing. Yeah. But the worry is that UEFA, FIFA and the Premier League, uh, etc. have all got to agree to this. And I think that the, the worry for the Premier League is that um, if it doesn't agree to it, is there a chance that these the, these top six or well, they're, not, they're not the top six, are they the big six, but yeah. they're not the top six? In the uh, in England, might might leave the Premier League altogether, and might we see the Super League becoming a much bigger thing than than just um, a, a midweek to- a sort of Champions League alternative? The other thing, of course, is that it's not the European Super League; it's the Super League, and, and they they mention. Um, that I'm not suggesting for one minute that that Guangzhou Evergrande of the of the Chinese Super League are going to join in a couple of years' time, but it's possible. And if not that, then they talked about neutral uh, neutral venues for semi-finals and finals. You know, are we going to see that in Qatar? Are we going to see it in Saudi Arabia? In places where money talks rather than sense? I think it's disgusting, really. It's the American model, isn't it, really? I mean, so many of these teams, especially in England, have got these American owners, and it is this franchise model, mm-hmm. where, as you mentioned, no promotion, no relegation, that is in. I guess it's the, the NFL, the NBA. I mean, I've got to confess, I don't take a great deal of interest within those, those sports, but, but that is yeah. how, they, how they play the game over there, isn't it? It is. It's in the MLS, which is their football, or as they call it, soccer leagues as well. Yeah, I mean, I just think I just think it's a really arrogant thing from the get go to assume that other teams can't challenge you. I mean, when was the last? You know, not not to make it personal, as I know you're an Arsenal fan, but when was the last time Arsenal got into the Champions League quarterfinals, let alone won it? It was 2010. Yeah. Tottenham haven't won a league title since 1961. I mean, um, yeah, leading clubs. Some of them are hardly leading clubs. I think we should give credit to the likes of PSG and Porto, Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Leipzig, many others who have publicly said we were asked to be in this or approached at least. And, and we don't believe it's the right thing to do. Now, whether all of them are just being cynical, because this is, this is a brilliant opportunity to be cynical about football, let's be honest. <laughs> just being cynical, are, are they all, have they all turned it down for... Um, for kind of altruistic reasons, probably not. Um, we know that PSG is owned by um, Nasser, who um, who is a big rights holder um, or, or stakeholder rather in B in Sports, which yes. is the Qatari, um, which is the Qatari broadcasters, and they're a massive um, 
a broadcaster of the Champions League. So it would be very detrimental for, the, for this to get off the ground because what does this leave the Champions League with? Um, so maybe they're not all doing it for genuine reasons, but but at least let's show them some credit for, for turning it down because the, the amounts of money that we've been, that have been talked about here, um, it's hard to turn away um, uh, and say no to that, that level of, of potential profit. Hence the fact that we heard last night that 12 clubs have not been able to do that and they've been sucked into this. Yeah, it's all happened ever so quickly. Um, and even the Prime Minister, our, our very own Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has got involved. He tweeted, plans for a European Super League would be very damaging for football. And we support football authorities in taking action. They would strike at the heart of the domestic game and will concern fans across the country. The clubs involved must answer to their fans and the wider footballing community before taking any further steps. I mean, obviously, we often say football and politics shouldn't mix, but uh, he's getting involved, which is obviously means that he can see where this is leading. Yeah. Well, well, this is an instance where football and politics simply have to meet because it influences and impacts too many people, too many people and their livelihoods. I mean, just on fans, of course, um, Boris Johnson's statement mentions fans because it's fans who are going to be most heavily hit by this. All of the clubs who who put out their very similar, if not identical, statements late last night um, mentioned legacy fans. They talked about fans. I think that's an utterly disgusting sentence. It's a horrible phrase. And and they're basically talking about fans who have existed and, and always supported these clubs being legacy fans and how their priority these days will be on, quote, fans of the future, end quote. I mean, what I would say about that is, and this is something I've thought for a long time, which is one of the reasons I don't get particularly involved with a club in in the high. I mean, I, I follow Chelsea. I wouldn't say I support them, but I, I certainly don't like the way that club football is going. And it's for the, it's for this reason that, you know, what's the point, for example, in Manchester United being called Manchester United? It doesn't represent Manchester anymore. I sound like an old man saying that, but that, that is the reality. It doesn't unite people of Manchester. There are people worldwide who support it, but in terms... In terms of Manchester, the place, it doesn't unite them. It divides them. It's turning them away. So it's doing the complete opposite of, of what it's supposed to do. And, and clearly the supporters um, who, who may well choose to, to follow Spurs and Arsenal and, and AC Milan, etc., etc., um, from Singapore and Indonesia, etc., uh, et are more important than fans from their own countries. Uh, uh, this is the risk when you make the game global. And um, we're feeling the full force of it. Aren't we just... As I say, this is an England podcast, so let's work out how this affects us because this could affect us very, very soon. Obviously, the Champions League has changed its format now. It's kind of it was always in the news, but it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit because as of today, the nineteenth of April, they've changed their format um, to begin as of 2024. Uh, Alexander Seferin, president of UEFA, has said players who will play in the teams that might play in the closed league will be banned from the World Cup and the Euros. We urge everyone to stand tall with us as we do everything in our power to ensure this never ends up in fruition. Basically, that means the England players that are involved with Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United and Liverpool mm. will no longer 
be allowed to play under Gareth Southgate or where the three lions in a European Championships or a World Cup. I'm not quite sure about the Nations League, but I would imagine that's the same. Um, yep. But this now, with what are we, probably 60, 65 days away from England playing Croatia at Wembley, this is mm-hmm. how soon this could affect us. This, we could have this before that when we play Austria and Romania. Well, I I don't think, I mean, it's incredible that it could impact it that soon. And it, it begs the question, you know, th- this comes back to a wider point of what is sport, right? If it's not supposed to be meritocratic, where the hardest working and the most successful teams get to win the hardest to win trophies and the ones that are the worst get to go down to the worst leagues. That's what promotion and relegation does. A safe space does not allow for that. And suddenly, you know, you let's assume that however many 80, 90 um, days into, into the future, however many it is, we're, we're sat there watching the, um, you know, Euro 2020 or 2021 final between England and whoever, let's hope. Yeah. It won't mean the be- who the uh, you know whoever wins won't actually be the best team in Europe because a, a lot of the best players will be ineligible by then, won't be playing. So um it basically detracts completely from from competition and from international football. What what will winning the Champions League mean? What will winning the Premier League mean? What will winning the Europa League mean? The World Cup, it, it will mean nothing anymore because you know there's this kind of cynical group who have taken themselves off, and I don't blame the players of these teams whatsoever. That exactly. they're they're just um, followers, aren't they? Well, they're pawns they're, in this game, aren't they? Of course, and they've been taken away to play some kind of separate game. We should rename it. It's, it's not the same sport because you're basically taking them off and letting them play in their own kind of multi-million pound desert island, completely separated from the rest of reality. So um, yeah, it could impact uh, England that that soon. And it would mean that Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, I could go on, have all played their last games for England. It's uh, I can't even believe I'm saying that. I, um, and and I, it's not that I'm emotionally involved and really, really upset. It's just what a weird thing to have to say. Um, that kind of international football, both playing for your country and playing for your club against other clubs, as we know it, it may, may well be over. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Very. And as you said, the, play, the players aren't to blame whatsoever, yeah. or the managers as well. But as England fans, we we do want to see the best. So it's they're being taken away from us. This we're we're being unfairly treated. We're the ones that are yeah. paying our. I mean, they're just England supporters club have just released their new uh, or yeah. we paid up for a, a new travel membership recently, and immediately the the product, the players that we could potentially see, that we know that we, we, we're paying to see, have been taken away yeah. from us. And it's not yeah. just us, because <laughs> a penny for Gareth Southgate's thoughts at this this moment in time, because yeah. he's had, we, we know that the, the Nations League back end of last year, he, he was going for his formations, chopping and changing, obviously with players as well, all with view to... Mm this summer's European Championships and how to negotiate his way through that group stage with the potential of meeting a bigger team in the in the round of 16. With those players and those those formations he's had in mind, that all of a sudden goes out the window, yeah. doesn't it? 
I mean, I, I do think, actually, if this thing does get off the ground, this Super League, I do think these are all empty threats. I don't think that UEFA and FIFA would actually stop these players playing because it massively impacts their product. And while UEFA and FIFA are seen as regulators and kind of are in some ways, they're also there to profit. They're supposed to, they, they want to get people through the turnstiles, yeah. m- money money into their, you know, line their pockets and move on to the next big tournament. And a European championships uh, without Cristiano Ronaldo, Romelu Lukaku, Harry Kane, that is an an inferior product to what you would have. So I don't think that will actually happen, but we have to confront it as if it will, because I'm not saying that knowing that UEFA and FIFA and the Premier League and the Serie A, et cetera, et cetera, will back down because they might well not. And, And in a way, good for them if they don't. The, the problem is, is that, yeah, what, who gets left behind? The fans. The fans do, who want to see the best players playing for their country and who want to see, um, you know, the sport as it's supposed to be played out, played out in, in the proper way. And we're not going to, there's a chance we may not see that ever again in football. Yeah, very true. Harry Kane, his position at Spurs always comes around come the end of the season where he'll be playing will he stay at Spurs will he move on somewhere if he's put if Spurs are into this European Super League but he still wants to play for England is there Mm. any chance that he could come out of this European Super League or as I say will he just become a pawn within it and have to move within the teams that are involved in it and in that case he has no chance of of breaking Wayne Rooney's record. He has no chance of emulating Bobby Moore in lifting a a trophy as captain of England. Well, I don't think a player would would be doing their career any good to just say, I will not be taking part in this. You carry on in the Premier League, I'll be there. You know, I get called up for England. If that's even possible, I'll be there. But I will not be playing in the Super League. Let's say, let's say Harry Kane for the purposes of this mm. at, at Spurs. I don't think that will do him well because Harry Kane might be a special case because he's a very, very good footballer. But the rest of them would just get fired. They'd have their contracts ripped up, and and everyone might think, well, that that's okay. Someone else will take him. Well, only if they can pay the however many hundreds of thousands of pounds a week he he has on his salary. So it's a hard situation. This I think Harry Kane's current contract because Daniel Levy did so well to pen him down ends in 2024 the only clubs that can really afford him at the moment are PSG and the two Manchester clubs would PSG spend that amount of money when they've got Neymar and Mbappe I wouldn't say so I don't actually think Man City would because I think they'd rather have Haaland so you're then down to Manchester United but oh wait they're also in the Super League (laughs) so you get stuck in this rut don't you and um I, I almost think making it about individual players is, is pointless because it, it, um, we have got to think about that because we're England fans and we want England to do well and he's our talisman and our and our uh, captain. But um, really, it's a much bigger thing, uh, uh, even than football, um, let alone than individual players and teams. It's bigger than football. It's questioning actually what the integrity of sport means and, and whether whether teams should be able to just take themselves off and, and simply profit from international global interest. And I, I hope that if this does get, you know, get off the ground and, and, and get going one day, that people have enough strength to boycott it. I mean, both players, but perhaps more realistically, that fans won't spend the inevitable, um, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds that it will cost them to watch the, these games because they will they will milk it. That's the whole point. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I hope that people have got the, um, the strength to, to say no. 
but we know that it's a, it's an emotional attachment between um, a football supporter and their club or, or their team. That, that's the whole point of supporting a football team, isn't it? So that's easier said than done. You know, that's like being told to stay away from your spouse. That's not easy. <laughs> I wouldn't know yet. <laughs> well, sometimes you think, oh, just just a little bit longer away. But uh, you have to go back <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Shh, I didn't say that. Um, I mean, let's let, let's come to players. I mean, just as you say, this nothing is set in stone as mm. yet, but it will come out. People will be talking about the potential of players. And if I, I put a, a tweet out this morning, when obviously this all broke, the the squad announcement for the most recent European qualifiers where we played San Marino, Albania and Poland, the players that could potentially be left behind, Dean Henderson, Ben Chilwell, Eric Dyer, Rhys James, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, who incidentally is is of course Atletico Madrid, so he's on the other side. Um, he's not mm. part of the uh, the Premier League. Carl Walker, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Harry Kane. We've mentioned Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling. But it does leave us with quite a fairly strong set of players who could go forward. And I, I don't know this this is all very sort of in the air, but there are some. We do have some good players left that could. Gareth could make a squad of. Um, mm-hmm. but I was just looking, we've got goalkeepers. I mean, some very familiar players to us still. Jordan Pickford is is there, Nick Pope, um, Sam Johnston. Of course, um, Newcastle fans will will know about Carl Darlow, who's been regularly mentioned. Defenders, Connor Cody had a, a great period of time back at the, uh, the back end of the Nations League. Um, scored as well, didn't he? Tyrone Mings, Michael Keane, Ryan Bertrand, James Justin at Leicester is one that um, could come come through. Matt Target at Villa. I'll tell you, Villa have got a lot of young English players who could who could profit from this. It's probably the wrong terminology, but well, no, it's not. <laughs> Aaron Cresswell, Carl Walker Peters. I mean, then you go into the midfield. We're familiar with Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse as well. Uh, James Madison, Harvey Barnes, who's, I don't, I think he's had, what, half an hour or something for England? Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, and then you look up front, I mean, of course, Jack Grealish, Danny Ings, Jaden Sancho and Jude Bellingham from Dortmund, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ollie Watkins, Patrick Bamford as well from Leeds. These are all still very good players who could compete at the highest level, aren't they? Of course they are, um, and but every every country will have, will have that. I mean, Spain will have any players at, at Sevilla, at Villarreal. Um, you, you you could go on. Italy will look would look very strong. They've still got players at Napoli, at Roma, yeah. um, some very big clubs. So um, Lazio. So yeah, I mean, it, it's um it's utterly depressing that we're even having to consider this it's like some kind of joke isn't it i mean we are we are still in april we're waiting for the april fool's comments but i'm I'm not hearing them yet no no it's it's such a i'd always heard of the the european super league it had been mooted for a long time and you think maybe it'll come around and then you think about it a little bit more thinking I wonder what it would be like. And now it's yeah. actually come to fruition or potentially to fruition. You think, no, I don't like this. And I think no. and I think it is the greed, the financial side of it, and the way it has all the way it's all come about ever so quickly, 
these clubs have sort of underhandedly signed up to it. Uh, as supporters, we kind of feel left out of the loop. And I think that's what, what kind of yeah. grates with me as well. Of course, and and the most the most di- almost disrespectful thing about it is that is their mention of the pandemic um, mm. a, a, as threatening their finances. Well, for goodness' sake, the pandemic has threatened fans' finances more than anyone else. They haven't been able to go to games. They've had to pay through the roof to watch games on TV, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's their emotional attachment between you know that the match day going to a ho- going to a home game or getting on a team bus and going to to an away game, um, that's not been possible for well over a year. So just as football start football fans are starting to come back, especially of, of these big six and and what they're calling the dirty dozen, slightly slightly wider. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive kick in the teeth, and um, we've seen for the first time, especially during uh, during the likes of Twitter uh, have been around. We've we've, seen, we've finally seen a football opinion which everyone can agree with. Not everyone agreed with VAR, but they're all agreed on this no. that this is a horrible, cynical, greedy move that must be stopped. And if not stopped, it must. You know, it, we, we must see it crash and burn. And hope that they'll come groveling back, and, and we'll see how that goes. But we're a long way off them groveling back because it's not even started yet. I think we, this is just the beginning of a what's going to be a very stressful and tense journey for all involved. For all involved, absolutely. Don't really know how to follow that up. To be honest, it's uh, yeah, as you say, the idea of them come groveling back is as as a supporter um, of one of those six. The idea of them making a statement saying we're sorry we're coming back just just yeah. just makes my my mouth it just makes me angry yeah yes yeah. well one of the tweets i saw um which last night which i quite liked or maybe it was this morning was a lot of the um angst and anger from fans they won't know it but will come from the, the possibility that actually this might work for these 12 clubs or these 15 clubs as it might end up being that, it, that this might actually make them stronger than ever and that that, they, that it won't crash and burn in the way that for its integrity more than anything else sport and football would like would like to see happen that actually this might actually work for them and I think that whether we know it or not might be one of the reasons why we're all so annoyed about this there's the possibility that actually it could be a massive success and that would be really unfortunate because we we'd like for the football community to have the strength to um, to ensure that it doesn't uh, become a massive success. But of course, football fans in England and Spain and Italy, that's not what this is being aimed at, is it? It's really not. No, no, it's not at all. It's not at all. It's, it's one to watch. As I say, nothing is set in stone at the moment. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll watch this very, very closely and see how it affects our own national team going forward and indeed the Italian national team and, and the Spanish national team. But but for the meantime, Dom, thank you very much for your time from englandfootball.org. As always, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. You're more than welcome. Uh, don't forget, you can catch up with any previous Three Lines podcasts in, on the usual podcast platform. I'll be back, as I say, with uh, an episode coming, you know, a more lively one coming for you this week. Thursday, we'll put that out. But in the meantime, yeah, take care of yourselves, look after yourself, and uh, yeah, speak soon. Cheers. Cheers.